Our philosophy is making functional products that are uh, made of natural materials that have a use. We don't make decoration. We don't develop decoration. Every single item in our assortment has a use, and that's most important. Welcome to Mindful Businesses, presented by Sarani, and I'm your host, Vidya Iyer. In our podcast, we bring to you brands which are mindful in their practices and processes. A mindful business adopts and employs sustainable social, economic, and environmental practices. In this episode, we'd like to take a moment to answer the question that our listeners have asked us. How do we find these businesses to feature on our show? We find the businesses online and some are recommended to us by our listeners. But in no event do we accept samples, products or promotions from these businesses. Our strong belief is that it keeps our podcast neutral, informative and an unbiased way to share mindful business practices with our listeners. Today we have with us Felix Redeker, Managing Director of Redeker and Yana Redeker, Redeker, Design and Crafts for a Modern Family. They join us via Zencaster from Fersmold, Germany. Welcome, Felix and Yana. Hello, Vidya. Thank you for having us tonight uh, for this podcast. Yeah. Hi there. Plastics have been around for much longer than we would expect, right? Right. Plastic was invented in 1869 by John Hyatt as an environmentally conscious solution where he believed that humans did not have to depend on nature for wood and other materials, but humans could make their own materials to make things out of. Could you tell us how plastics have changed how we live our lives? I mean, we don't have that much to do with plastic. For 85 years, we were in business. My grandfather founded the company. He was blind. And in the 1930s, it was like the typical work for blind people. It was making either bags, baskets or brushes. And he learned the skill of making brushes with natural materials. So since 1935, we have hardly anything to do with plastic. But of course, in these days, people are seeing critical uh, using plastic, plastic materials and this is not a trend. This is a m movement to sustainability, in our opinion. And um, we love natural materials. We produce our brushes and housewares with it since 1935, and that's what we're doing. So you mentioned that your grandfather, he started the company, and he was blind. So why were the blinds taught this skill? Because they have a high sense of sensitivity of the hands. That's why... They made brushes because it's a very fine and uh, work that is, uh, this is a difficult part to explain for me. Um, it is uh, mm -hmm. the, the bundles of bristles of the material, they get put in the wooden part by hand. And you need to fit a small metal wire through the holes in the wood to pull in the bristle or the brush material. And because blind people, they can't see their sense of their fingers is much higher than other people's sense of fingers. And that's why it makes it perfect for them to, without seeing the holes in the wooden brush body, uh, putting the metal wire through it. So how did he manage the business? Uh, he had the craft, but you know, to run a business, you need more than 
just being able to make the product, right? So how was he able to manage the business? What was the environment around him to create this business, to run when, this business, make it profitable? Yeah. When he founded the company, um, it was not a real business, as we would say today in these days. It was a business that was registered so he could sell some brushes he made. So he had something to do over the day that he earned some income for the household. He grew up on a farm, and farming was hard in these days. So he earned some extra income for the family with making brushes. Um, he's been doing that until he passed away in 1986 in the winter. And my parents, they were in completely different businesses, so they never thought about taking over the business because they didn't see any future in it. But or my grandfather, he left a lot of materials, like the plant fibers, the animal hair, the wooden brush bodies. So, I mean, my dad, he also learned that when he was a boy, the skill of making brushes from his dad. So he thought, well, let's just finish the materials, get rid of them, and get some extra income to the household. Um, so they did. My parents, they used all the materials, made brushes over the winter, and went to a weekend market from Friday to Saturday in springtime mm -hmm. um, in a neighbor village. It was meant to be for three days, that weekend market, and they were completely sold out on Friday afternoon. So, well, that was the point where they recognized uh, there's a high demand for high-quality natural-made brushes, and that was in 1986. So pretty much after your grandfather passed away. Exactly. It was within a few months after he passed away. So what is your education background and what about Yana? How did you um, start working for the company? Did you start working for the company right from the beginning or uh, of your professional careers or did you have other professions? Uh, let me please uh, answer that question first, yeah. Yana. Um, I was always thinking about taking over the company when I was like mid-20s, end-20s. Um, but my parents said, well, go outside, go to different companies and see how business is, or how the world is outside of our own company. So um, I used to work for eight years for a different company in our village. And when I was 27, my parents asked me, my dad, he turned 60 that year. They said, um, could you think about taking over the company? Would that be something you would like to do or you want it? Say yes or say no. And then I said, well, yes, that, that's not a question for me. I always wanted to take over the company. And I saw the future. I love the materials and the brushes and the, the products we, we always made. So there was no question. And then I joined the company in 2009. And then I joined the company in 2010, one year after our marriage. We got to know each other when we uh, did business studies and yeah, so there was always the possibility for me to, to join the company when Jutta and Gernot asked me. And yeah, I started one year later. So are you from Fersmold too? or No, I'm not. I'm uh, from Bielefeld. It's the bigger city nearby. It's about 30 minutes by car, so quite near. Um, so you both met in college, got married in 2009. Yes. yes. And 2009, Felix took over and you joined him 
in various capacities to run the business with him. Yeah. Felix, you said you loved the products. Did you help growing up in the family business? Did you help your dad with, <laughs> did they have a storefront first? Did they have a storefront or how was it? No, of course. I mean, when you, when you are born into a brush maker family, or married in or married in right <laughs> the second thing in your life after working is making a brush so of <laughs> course <laughs> i made my first own brush when i was five i think something like that no i mean you learn it right from the beginning i wanted to learn brush making by hand and of course later in school or uh, college i always worked uh in the company i did different jobs. I was assembling products. I was picking and packing in the warehouse. I was in the office. Um, of course, you can't get away. I mean, in a positive way. When I got to know him, mm -hmm. I thought it's not possible that there could be a brush for everything. <laughs> that was the first thing I, I thought. That's not possible. And then I got to no, they told me everything about it right from the beginning on. <laughs> and then I fall in love with it because I always use those dishcloths. And then I thought, why didn't I ever use the brush before? That's so much better. And it's so much nicer. And yeah, then I fell in love with it. And yeah. I became a real radical. That was my thought, exactly. Uh, when I discovered your brand, I went out and purchased a brush, a dish brush, and I love it. I I don't know how to tell people. It doesn't scratch your parts. Right. Of course, I don't use it on the nonstick. I haven't tried it on the nonstick, but I use it on my stove, on my counters, on my pots, and you need very little soap in fact to scrub down you cut back on the soap usage and also in the time i've owned your brush i would have gone through at least three of the green scrubs you know the scrub yeah, i can imagine yeah yeah definitely, definitely. so though though yours um, we'll come to the price your price later but though yours is more expensive i would probably use it for much longer than a cheaper green sponge right You said there is a brush for everything. Tell us what, what are the categories that you have a brush for? Uh, one of our best sellers, our best uh, selling products is the brush for the brush. It is, <laughs> it is a hairbrush and comb cleaner. So it's a brush where you clean your hairbrushes with. It's metal wire and you brush out and comb out of hairbrushes the hair that stay in the hairbrush. So... We have a brush for almost everything. You had different categories on the website for the brushes. Yeah, we have a lot of different categories. So we got brushes for home and yard and for body care. And therefore we have for sure dusters and dust brushes, clothes brushes, shoe cleaning brushes, household brushes or kitchen brushes. And of course, wellness and massage brushes, nail care. And always think about your children. So for sure, we also got brushes 
for children. So your grandfather, when he started it, when Felix's grandfather started, he probably did not have this whole range of products. How has the company changed since? Um, yeah, when he founded the company, and I mean, almost his whole life, he made brushes for the farms in our area. It's a very rural area here with a lot of farms. And he made heavy duty brooms for the yard. He made like for the cow sheds. Um, he made a window washer for the sheds or for the animals. Um, so heavy-duty, high-quality brushes. He sold the brushes here in our barn where he made the brushes so people could come to him, visit him. And it was also a social aspect for him. He got a lot of visitors. I mean, he was making their brushes by himself the whole day. But many people came to him. They had a beer with him, talked to him, read the newspaper. The people came, they wanted to buy a brush. They read the newspaper to him or the post that arrived. So a lot of visitors, a lot to talk about. So a lot of company over the day. And twice a week, my grandma and my grandfather, they drove with the car. They put all that he made the week in the trunk of the car and they drove around to the farms and asked if they want to buy things and offered it to the farmers. That was the concept of my grandparents and that's what they did until 1986 when he passed away i mean my parents when they recognized there is a demand for our products or for the natural high quality products uh, they of course changed it they added products they designed new products but the real start of the business then was in the early 1990s, it was like 92 or 93, I think, was our first exhibition of the Ambiente in Frankfurt, the biggest consumer goods fair of the world. It was very tough in these days to get a booth there because everybody wanted to be there. But my parents somehow managed it to get a nine square meter booth, which is 63 square foot. So very small, tiny booth. But that's what, when they started. And right from the early exhibitions there, we established a strong market in Japan. They value quality. They accept to spend a higher price for high European quality. And until now, in these days, the Japanese customer base is a very strong market for us, a very big business. Yeah, and I mean, they added products to the assortment. They designed new products. They discovered new markets for our products. Like today, we are selling well, the biggest overseas markets are Japan, Australia, South Korea, and North America, like Canada and the US. And inside of Europe, it is, of course, Germany, our home market, followed by France and the UK and Scandinavia. That are the countries I would like to point out for our products and for our philosophy of, of manufacturing and producing things. What is your philosophy then? Our philosophy is making functional products that are uh, made of natural materials that have a use. We don't make decoration. We don't develop decoration. Every single item in our assortment has a use, and that's most important. To every new product we develop, it must have a use. Of course, it needs to be nice, and uh, the haptic needs to be nice. The material needs to be the right material for the use that the brush is meant to be for. But yeah, no decoration, useful things right? made of natural materials. As uh, an outsider, Jana, did you think of a brush, a new product? Because an outsider's perspective is sometimes different than somebody who's grown for two generations with brushes around them. 
Not really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it changed right at the beginning. Now I also took over the part of uh, searching for new products. I'm doing the purchase and the marketing. And of course, most of the time I'm thinking about is there something we have to change or we can do more? For example, we don't have a single packing for all over products. They are not single packed. And um, what do you mean by single packed? We manufacture the products and they are stored in bulk mm -hmm. in our warehouse and they don't have a single poly bagging, for example. Mm -hmm. They are in bulk and we wrap in paper or in cardboard whenever necessary. We try to avoid packing material wherever we can. And we replaced plastic single packings of poly bagging. We replaced by paper or cardboard. We have hardly any plastic or packing material that we use for shipping. So how do your retailers display the products? Because that is when you need the box or when they hand it over to the customer. Do you have a box at that point in time? So we have our own shop-in-shop -shop system. That's uh, kind of furniture. Um, and we are building this in our warehouse by ourselves. Um, that's um, how they can display our products, but they can also buy um, metal boxes to display the products. And um, the products don't have a packing themselves. They only come with a leather string and a cardboard hang tag. So there's also no plastic at the uh, product. Th right. That's incredible, yes. For our products and for our customers, it's very important that, that our products are not packed and wrapped inside the store. The customers need to have the chance to touch, feel, and see and experience the product. It cannot be in a poly bag. It cannot be in a cardboard blister or whatever. It needs to be unpacked as it is on the shelf or in the box. We offer tin boxes to our retailers to display, or they ha just have it in jars, in glass jars or metal pitchers, so no packing of the single item itself, which is very unique and very important for our products. So do you have children? We got two. So do you think they would like to take over the business, the family business? Yeah, maybe they will. Hopefully they will. <laughs> I think, um, of course, they are... Two and a half and four and a half. Of course, uh, you can't tell right now whatever they want to do. But for me, important is like what my parents did with me. It's their choice. You cannot force your children into a position or into a job because you want them to. Very important that they want it. It's their choice. And at the same time, you need to let them. If you decide to join the company, you need to have your own space and your own decisions. And your parents, like in this case, my parents, I expected them to let us do things different. And they did. And this is a great generation handover that we are experiencing here. It's like a slow handover over the last few years. Hardly anybody noticed it. And that's the best, in my opinion, the best generation handover. So explain to our listener who's never seen your brush or a wooden brush with wooden bristles why and how your products are sustainable? They are sustainable in different ways. Most important, we just use uh, wood from uh, domestic wood from Germany 
or from the neighboring countries. That's most important. We don't import uh, wood from far east or overseas to manufacture our products. Just German or neighboring wood. Then for the brush material itself, we only use plant fiber, different plant fibers, depending on the use of the brush, and different animal hair, which is both sustainable. We don't use any plastic in making our products. The bristles or the plant fiber is put in the wooden brush with a metal loop, with a metal wire loop. So there are no glues. Exactly. That's what I wanted to say. There's no glue that we use. Um, it's just the metal string, the metal wire that holds the bundle of bristles in the wood, in the brush body. How do they perform in comparison to the um, plastic ones that we are used to? Take an example, like a comb, for instance. Uh, my best example always is the horsehair indoor broom. It's about a one foot wide broom for indoor only made by 100% horsehair, which comes from tail or mane of the horse. If you maintain this broom right, which is combing it with a rough comb, like a dog comb or for pets, comb it uh, every once in a while, wash it, treat and clean the hair, like carry your own hair with mild shampoo, wash it with lukewarm water, allow it to dry at room temperature, hanging, and then afterwards comb it, you will have 20, 25, 30 years you can use that broom. When you come up with new products, how do you test it? Do you try it at home or do you have laboratories which would test it? Or do you have you know, your neighbors and friends who try it out for you? When we come up with a new product, it's mostly tested for months in our own household or also the colleagues tested and maybe we change things twice or more just to get a better feeling if you touch the article. It took a while because it has to be usable, designed and sustainable. Has the production method changed since your grandfather's days? Is it still that labor intensive? It's still labor intensive. I mean, the techniques haven't changed, but the machines have changed. We have different materials, for example, for milling and getting the wooden parts in shape. That has changed. There are like uh, automated machines, but the techniques itself and the materials itself have never changed for us. Is there a particular skill that is required? And do you employ people who are blind? So what is a particular skill that is required to make these articles? Is there any particular skill that you can think of? I mean, there is no particular skill, uh, a requirement for making a brush by hand. It's like with every job or with every work, some people are good in it and some people are better in a different work. Um, so, Because I'm thinking, people, why didn't anybody do this in America? Um, They don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm sure there are a few around. In the States, I'm sure. I mean, it's a niche market. It's niche products. Um, and it's you don't see them in, in like in the supermarket, like in mass productions, because you can't make, you don't have the capacity for making these quantities. It's maybe difficult to find, but I'm sure there are also in the U.S. There are some blind people or workshops of blind people making these, uh, making brushes. I'm sure there is. So do you employ any blind people now? Our company itself doesn't employ 
any blind people, but we work with workshops where blind people work. Because they are specialized in doing that? It's often... Um... Are. It's, um, these workshops that we work with are organized by government. So it is like a, a village thing or a town thing that they put together disabled, handicapped people under one roof. They can do different work inside these workshops. Like they have a wood workshop, they have a metal shop, uh, they do baskets as well, they do chair repair, and they also do brushes and brush making. Because in the U.S. it's so hard now to find skilled labor. Carpenters, plumbers, bootmakers, cobblers, electricians, they are so hard to find. And I was just reading up a little bit about it, and I was thinking the German educational system is very different from the American educational system. So do you think the secondary school tracking, which puts people in three different tracks, the academic track, the technical administrative career track, or the vocational career track, and they have German words for it. I don't want to say it and mess up. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, the Hauptschule and the Realschule and the Gymnasium, those perfect tracks <laughs> perfect so, do you think that is responsible in creating a workforce which is keeps these traditional environmentally conscious crafts and skills alive it's difficult to judge for us because we are born in this system and we only know this system uh, i don't know if it's right or wrong but in my opinion it helps the young people leaving the high school, you would call it high school when you're 17, 18. When you leave that school, you have the choice what you want to do. You, if you want to be a, uh, like um, a carpenter or you do something like handcrafts, or if you want to go to college, university after it. Yeah, I think young people have the choice early when they are young, early in school already. So they can direct their life very early to what they want to become later. This is an advantage, but I don't know if it's um, a good system or not. I cannot say that. But I can say, like, we are also missing experts in Germany. Like, it's difficult to get carpenters for our woodworking shop or in our administration difficult to find experts. Yeah, I can say that. I wanted to know, most of your products are wood-based. You said you get the wood from Germany or neighboring countries. So are these ancient forests or are they plantations created just for harvesting? The wood that we use is certified German wood coming from plantations. It's not naturally grown forests that are take, getting taken down for uh, harvest. It's plantations. They are certified with high European and German standards. That's the only wood we use. And the best wood for making brushes is beech wood. Beech wood grows fast, is hard, which is very important for making brushes, that it's hard that the bristles hold in the wood. And all brushes that come in contact with water, like nail brushes, bath brushes, it always helps when the wood is a hard wood because it will last longer and the life will be longer of that product. You wouldn't consider bamboo, right? Though it's considered this fast-growing plant because you'd have to import it. That's right. Um, that is the main reason right now that we're not working with bamboo but because bamboo has very good characteristics. Like you mentioned, it's growing fast. It's really fast-growing wood. It has perfect characteristics for making brushes. It's hard. 
but we will need to import it and have like long transports. And that is not our philosophy. We started our conversation with, with our philosophy. We buy a locally sourced domestic wood. <laughs> and that's not bamboo in Central Europe. So where can one find your products? Jana, do you want to start by telling us where one can buy your products in North America? Yeah, that's really hard to say because we have such a big range of different customers. So you can go to the retailer's shop. You can also buy online, but also the kind of retailer shops are so different. So Felix, what? Yeah, you can say we are like in garden centers and pharmacies, hairstylists and barbers, spa and wellness hotel, mail order companies, of course, online sellers, furniture stores. So like almost every shop can fit an assortment from us. Most stores that we sell and ship our products to are like specialty stores and independent retailer. But we do have some bigger customers, some chains, like I would like to point out the Williams Sonoma group of Williams Sonoma itself, Pottery Barn, Kids, uh, Rejuvenation. We work with Sur La Table or Crate and Barrel. And online, of course, with um, on Amazon, we are available through our customer MT Baker on exclusive base. And we do work with a mail order company based in Yarrington, Nevada. He almost carries our whole assortment. It's uh, thebestbrushes.com. Very yes. fine, family-owned, family-run company. Thank you, Felix and Jana, for coming on my show. And thank you for keeping your family tradition of making a sustainable product. You're very welcome. It was our pleasure. Thank you very much, Vidya. Yeah, thank you. If you want some more information about the Redikers and their products and their lifestyle, go to our Facebook or Instagram page. If you're a creator of a mindful brand or would like to recommend a mindful brand to be featured on our show, send us a message on our Facebook or Instagram page. Please subscribe and like us on Facebook and Instagram. We recorded this podcast at Q1067 in Lafayette, Indiana. Thank you to Jim Stone, the owner of Q1067. Tatum Gale composed the music for this podcast. This is Vidya Iyer for Mindful Businesses.